You can be seated. God, we thank you for this great time of worship and this place that we have gathered to worship you and to worship you freely and to acknowledge that you are the cornerstone. You're the cornerstone to our faith. And we thank you, Lord, that um, we can gather and sing. We thank you that we can turn to your word freely. And Lord, I pray that you would continue to teach us and challenge us um, as we look at your word, the power of your word, and transform our lives, Lord, our cornerstone. In Jesus' name, amen. Morning. If you have a Bible, we're going to look at two different passages. One is Galatians 1.10, and the other one is Colossians 3, 23 and 24. So if you want to start turning there, if you use version, which is our Bible app, you can uh, follow along there with all the notes and scripture and everything that's there. I want to make a really exciting announcement. Anybody want to hear an exciting announcement? First service was pretty excited about it. Well, the pastors and elders have been praying and we've been considering how do we continue to fulfill our mission and vision, and uh, which is loving God passionately, loving others intentionally, and serving the world sacrificially. And we decided through prayer uh, that the next large ministry investment will be building bridges to our immediate and surrounding communities. So we plan to plant culturally relevant satellite video venues, which align with our Bethel main campus in mission, vision, values, and teaching. So Jesus said to go and reach the lost, and we believe these targeted, uh, fast-growing areas need a greater evangelical purpose. So these venues will continue to be one church, Bethel Church, in multiple locations. Um, each venue will have its own live worship, Experience and then view a either a live streamed or pre recorded preaching message from Bethel Main Campus. Each venue will have an elder uh, representative that sits on the elder board. The first satellite venue, venue will be in drumroll Kindred. Anybody here from Kindred? Nobody's here from Kindred. Are they all at the venue that we don't have yet? Okay. There are people here from Kindred, I know. But there's a core group of about five families who will be serving as what we call the launch team. And in mid-February, we'll be contacting those Bethel families, those of you who are here that maybe um, live in Kindred, around Kindred, and or have that zip code. And we'll have an informational meeting where we'll answer questions and give more information about this. Uh, the target date for start is April 4th on Easter. So it's coming right up. To enable this venue and others like it, um, in order for them to succeed, we need to raise some funds, and those funds will go for equipment and rent and other costs associated with starting up a satellite uh, venue. For the next six months, some of you will be familiar with this language, some of you have never heard of this before, but for the next six months, money that is designated for the LAB, which stands for Living Above and Beyond, those are funds that come in, we have this account ongoing, and we pick different projects, um, and so LAB, Living Above and Beyond, uh, will go towards uh, the starter fund. Our initial goal is to secure $50,000 through special gifts from those who have a heart for this outreach. Other venues are also being considered. Uh, we thank both God and our congregation for the generosity and giving and believe this strategic initiative will allow us to advance God's kingdom. So, um, if you get the e-news, there's a, there's a link in there. You can click on it and kind of look back through everything I just shared with you. 
Um, or on the wall out there, the informational wall, there's also a flyer. You can grab that and, and read through it as well. So be watching for that. We're pretty excited about it. Let's get back to the series. Um, eternally focused life is what we've been talking about. And today I want to talk about know your audience. Everywhere you turn, there's a rating system. The president has an approval rating. We stay in hotels based on the number of stars that they have. We buy from Amazon based on com customer reviews. We watch shows on Netflix because there's a 96% chance that you will like this show because of other things that you have watched. How many of you have fallen for that, right? Uh, we go to movies based on Rotten Tomato uh, and audience scores. Businesses thrive and businesses dive because of their approval rating. But are we as individual people any different? It seems the approval rating system is also true in real life from one person to the next. All of us long for others to give us good reviews or five-star ratings, right? We all want to be liked. We all want to be approved of. How is your approval rating? How are you doing in the eyes of others? I want to talk about that. So first of all, I want to talk about stop chasing the approval of man. Galatians 1.10 says this, Paul writes, Am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. Friends, our approval rating is rooted in the gospel message. If we choose to look for man... Uh, to man for approval, it greatly affects the impact of the gospel that's happening in us and through us. It would be as though to say the gospel, yes, the gospel gives us hope, yes, it gives us life, but my approval comes from man. That'd be really confusing. For believers, the gospel of Jesus Christ, it's our purpose. And so to understand what Paul's saying in verse 10, we have to understand verse 9. I just want to go back one verse that says this. As we have already said, and so now I say again, if anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, the true gospel, he's saying, let them be under God's curse. And then again, verse 10, am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I, I would not be a servant of Christ. And so Paul was being accused of being an interest, an interested in uh, the flatterer of men becoming all things to, to all people by using Jesus to make it about himself. And so they're saying, you're just using this Jesus and this talk of Jesus, but it's not about Jesus, it's really about you. That's what they're accusing him of. Him. He was acutely aware of the fine line between man's approval and God's approval. And the idea behind Paul's words was, God is my audience. Paul refused to water down the gospel for the sake that many people would, would approve of him. He was much more interested in pleasing God. And so one of the big takeaways from, from this verse 10 is that Paul was aware of the possibility of looking to man for his approval rating. It was on his radar. He was willing to ask the hard questions. He was willing to check himself. And so as we go through this morning, that's kind of the question that I wonder if we'll wrestle with. Are we willing to check ourselves? Why do we do what we do? What are we looking for? See, to win the approval of man says that we don't believe that the gospel is enough. 
Paul was saying the gospel is enough, and I want to make sure that every word I speak and the way that I live points to that truth. Let's talk about it a little bit further. The longing to impress others and to be approved of keeps our attention and it captivates us. The need for other people's approval can be exhausting. In our human nature, we're driven to be liked and we're, we're driven to, to be desired. And we do, do, do more and more and more and do and do and do. So we might somehow catch another person's attention. And it's scary what we're willing to sacrifice and compromise just so we can get noticed, so we can be approved of. Happens in many different contexts and relationships. Sometimes it even just happens with your spouse if you're married. Or parents, or boss, or coach, or friends, or coworkers. Receiving the stamp of approval can be consuming and exhausting. We all like to hear the words, I am so proud of you, or good job, or well done. I trust there isn't one of us here that would rather hear well done from the crowd of people around us than to hear well done from our Savior. So then why do we find ourselves working so hard to gain the attention and the approval of others? Because if accolades and and applause is what we're after, if that's what we're after in this life, we'll get it. We'll figure out a way to get it. But God didn't put us here on this earth so that we could receive a standing ovation. He put us here so he could receive a standing ovation. But the approval of man feels so good. I want to talk about the destructive path, and there's really two kinds of people. The first one is what is called the achiever. And this person is is focused on accomplishments and success. That's what drives them. And their identity is attached to their achievements. So whatever it is that they do or their success, that's where they find their identity. And they achieve in order to receive this this external validation which feeds their their need to feel worthy. So again, at the core, their approval is attached to their achievements. Then there's the pleaser. Maybe you know some of these people. This person has to make sure everyone is happy. This person often overcommits in an attempt to please everyone. They're usually exhausted at the end of the day because they spent their entire day making sure everyone else is happy and everyone else is taken care of, right? The people pleaser is desperate to feel important and needed. Often there's a lack of self-worth or confidence, making it very difficult for them to set and maintain healthy boundaries with other people because we don't want people to be disappointed with us. We run around like a, like a crazy person just so we don't have to feel like we're not approved of. We will nearly kill ourselves just to get that that five stars. Fear of disappointment often leads to greater disappointment. The more people you have to not disappoint, the greater potential you have to disappoint. When we try so hard to not disappoint, we set ourselves up 
to disappoint because we are presenting a false self just to make sure people are happy with us. If I can work really hard and not disappoint you, then you'll accept me. Where does it come from? First, our need for approval is the result of our deepest unmet needs, our need for love and security and acceptance and value, those deep core needs that God has given us. And any one of those or a combination of those unmet needs will land us on what I would call this this approval tour bus, searching for someone who will give us a high enough approval rating. Sometimes our drive for approval is born just from our environment, from our surrounding. Some have had people in their lives who have communicated over and over again in some kind of a way, you are not good enough. When I sit with people and they say, well, I grew up this way, and I grew up, and my mom or my dad used to tell me all of the time, you will never amount to anything. And I literally, like, I just want to, I stare back at them, and I look at them, and I'm like, are you serious? Like, like, you hear this all the time, but do they really say that? Like, did that come out of their mouth? Like, you will never amount to anything. And the reality is, yes. Or you're not good enough. And so whether the need for approval is born out of unmet foundational needs or out of a fallen world containing fallen people, the need for approval, as we have already learned, is real, and it probably resonates with every single person in this room and every single person that's joining us online. Who do you long to hear the words of approval from? Who is it that you're striving to win the approval of? Who are you hoping will at least acknowledge you and think that you're good enough? Who do you need to say, I'm proud of you? 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all in the glory of God. And this is Paul writing again. He doesn't leave much room for anything else, whether you're eating or drinking or Whatever you're doing, he says, whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. We were created in his image, that we would image forth his glory in our lives. The context of this verse in Scripture really is it's a believer's freedom in Christ. So it gives us this freedom. We have been set free in order that we can and might live our lives for the applause of one and the glory of one. We've been set free through Christ and the work accomplished on the cross. And that freedom allows us, it allows us to make God's glory our primary aim in everything we do and not the approval of man. The testimony of whether we're living in the reality of our freedom. So this is a good test. Are we living in the freedom that we have in Christ is evidenced by whether we have a greater longing for man's approval or God's glory. That will tell you whether you're living in the freedom that you have. So Paul says, it doesn't matter what you're doing. Whatever you do, do it knowing that you've been set free and that God's glory is the only thing that matters in this life. Secondly, start resting in the approval of God. Colossians 3. 23 and 24. It says, whatever you do, and he kind of, it's coming right back at it again. Whatever you do, do it with all of your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, 
Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. The beginning of chapter 3, if you're familiar with Colossians at all, it says, Since then you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts and minds on the things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Maybe you're familiar with that. Set your hearts and your minds on the things above. This is the passage in a couple of weeks from now, so I don't want to go into too much of it. But when our hearts and our minds, here's the, here's the opposite of it. When our hearts and our minds are not set on the things above, we leave it up to the world to answer our deepest longings. And at the top of the list is the longing to be okay in the eyes of man. When we're not fully satisfied in God, our unmet needs consume our attention. It was either last summer or the summer before, I remember I'm running some errands and I came home and um, it, I remember having shorts on. I got out of the Jeep, went around the back, opened the back, opened the glass, and the exhaust pipe must have been sticking out a, a little bit uh, too far. So when I leaned in to grab something, the exhaust pipe hit my leg, and it seared kind of this, this half moon on my leg. It hurt really, bit, really bad. And for the next few moments, that's the only thing I could think about. Even when I started to do something else, I was reminded of the pain of the burn. And let me just say what I said a minute ago. When we're not fully satisfied in God, our unmet needs consume our attention like a burn on your leg from an exhaust pipe. When you do not set your hearts and minds on the things above, your unmet needs will scream at you. I need value. I need love, I need acceptance, I need security, screaming at you from every angle imaginable. Whatever it takes to get them to stop screaming is what you will do. And we believe if we can find approval in people, the pain of the burn will go away. You will disappoint people. You're going to let people down. You will fail people. Just knowing and admitting that fact is the first step. Until you are okay with disappointing people. It's that, it's that moment that you get to. It's like, I have to be okay with this. Until you're okay with disappointing people, your need for approval will influence just about every area of your life. When we seek the approval of others as a means to garner self-esteem and worth or to establish our identity, we're really out of bounds from a biblical perspective. Because in chasing the approval of man, we're trying to find our worth and identity not based in how God values us, but what other people think of us. It's, it's exactly why people glorify and deify athletes and Hollywood icons and rock stars and politicians and, and well-known people in ministry. And we constantly live under this illusion, if only I did this or had this or made this or knew so-and-so or became like so-and-so or got this, then I would get so-and-so's approval and then I would be happy. And then I'd be okay. It's my prayer that the lack of approval we get from this life 
will accomplish one thing, and that will lead us to discovering that the only true source of satisfaction and wholeness and healing and fulfillment is Jesus Christ, and it's by God's design. God uses the disapproval of man to invite us into his approval. God uses the voice of man. You don't measure up. Maybe people don't even say it. You don't measure up. You're not good enough. No, I don't approve of you. I don't even like you. Uses all of those things to invite us into his approval. Maybe you're allowing others to have too big of a say in your life, too loud of a voice. You've given them too much power. This week, a couple of us in the office had the privilege of having lunch with Darwin and Darlis Anderson. And some of you recognize um, that name. They've been longtime missionaries here from Bethel Church. And as they were sharing, they talked about their travels to Egypt. And in their sharing, they mentioned the Coptics of Egypt. And in the first service, we had child dedication. So I kind of said, hey, you guys that just dedicated your children, listen to this. But I would say anybody in the room, especially if you have children, listen to this. This is crazy. But it's, it's so profound. So, so there's this group in Egypt called Coptics. You can look it up, not now, later. Um, in Egypt, which is primarily, uh, Egypt's primarily a Muslim country, and there's this, this large group of Christians who are called Coptic Christians. They differ from traditional Christians in this way, and it's because of their belief in the dual nature of Christ. So instead of believing Jesus was one person, 100% God, 100% man, um, all at the same time, they would say Jesus had two natures. One was human and one was uh, divine and united as one, but they did, those two natures didn't mingle. So that's what kind of sets them apart, makes them a little bit different. But listen to this. When a child uh, who was born into a Coptic family, at around the age of two, they take their child to a tattoo artist and the tattoo artist uh, tattoos a cross on their right wrist, just a little cross, um, If the cross on their wrist could speak, what is it saying? It says this in Egypt, as a Coptic Christian, I won't convert to Islam. These young children, here's the thing that's so profound. These young children are raised to never fear death. Now just pause for a second and think about that. Do you know what's happening there because that they're raised in that way? Discipleship is exploding. Life, the very thing that most cling to and fear losing, they have no fear of losing. The lack of fear has given them freedom and purpose and passion. And it got me thinking about what I was talking about today. What would happen if we stopped fearing man's approval. What would happen if we stop believing that we have to earn our acceptance and attention? What if our need for approval was no longer an issue? You know what would happen? We would be free and we would find our true purpose and that is to please God. Because it's only when you stop fearing the approval of others that you start longing for the fullness of God. You were created by God for God. John 1, 12, 13 says, 
Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or husband's will, but born of God. Here's the truth, friends. We never, ever have to worry about earning God's attention or approval. It's true. Many people go to church not to worship, not to learn from God's word, but to get God's attention. People sing, preach, even witness to win people all for the approval of God. So when we find ourselves doing the same jumping jacks and waving our arms as though to say, God, please, here's the thing. We cannot earn God's approval. Instead, he has freely given it to us. God may be the only person you will ever hear the words, well done. Approval requires a payment. To gain the approval of man, it will cost you. Time, resources, energy. Listen, Jesus paid full price for you. And while we live in a world where we experience rejection over and over again and where we often experience or sense people's disappointment in us and a world where being accepted and approved of must be earned, there is available to us a relationship with God that is absent of judgment and rejection and disappointment and disapproval. Psalm 103, the Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who Fear him. Forgiveness is the only means to a relationship with God. If we never acknowledge that we're sinners, then the cross will not be enough for us because we will never be desperate enough to need it. Don't take the cross for granted. Don't lose sight of what God has done for you by sending his son to die. God says as far as the east is from the west, he accomplished on his own what we cannot accomplish on our own. So, would you do me a favor? There's a cross up here. Would you just look up at the cross just for a second? And imagine, I just want you to imagine this. The cross screams approved. Let me leave you with one thing. We played this game at my son's house. It's kind of a variation of would you rather. And so I thought, this is kind of an interesting way to ask this. Would you rather, would you rather have the applause of man every day for the rest of your life? So just imagine that. Uh, good job. You're, you're approved. Love you. Um, you're accepted, you're valuable. Would you rather have the applause of man every day for the rest of your life or the approval of God for all eternity? 
Father, thank you for uh, today. Thank you for your word and just for challenging us. And um, there are people who live the majority of their day feeling unworthy, unaccepted, not valued, not good enough. And so we find ourselves on this treadmill of wanting and longing for man's approval. Will somebody, will somebody notice me and accept me and approve of me? What do I have to do? Who do I have to be? And God, you've cleared it all up by saying you are, you're approved. If you're a child of mine, I approve of you. There's nothing you have to do. And I see you through the blood of Christ, my son. Lord, I pray that um, when we leave here today that this will be um, a truth that will set some people free from being exhausted, of trying so hard through all kinds of different ways. May we rest in the truth of your word. In Jesus' name, amen.